Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a man who at Palisades High School was playing in the pit for a high school Broadway show and thought, you know, I can do that. So, Once Upon a Mattress turned him from the trumpet to where he is now as Corny Collins in the National Touring Show of Hairspray. We welcome Andrew Scoggins. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great intro. Fantastic. (laughs) I do my research. Yes, sir. Andrew, let's go beyond the mic. For anyone who hasn't seen Hairspray, describe the show. Hairspray is a story about a young, dynamic girl named Tracy Turnblad, and she is a catalyst of change for the city of Baltimore. Along her journey, she meets a cast of characters who join her in her pursuit to fight prejudice and power-hungry producers. And, you know, a quote that I like to use for the show is, you know, no dream is too big in the show and neither is anyone's hair. It's full of incredible, incredible dancing, incredible, incredible voices, incredible acting. We have an, a range of Broadway talent to regional talent. It is just an incredible production that I'm so proud to have been working on for the past couple of months. And I've been taking it across the country. And if you've never seen Hairspray, never seen any, either of the movies, just come into the theater and prepare to dance and have a fantastic time. That's all I got to say. When you saw the movie and watched it on Broadway, it's a completely different than performing it. Absolutely. How much playing corny in the show changed the way you experienced the show? You know, so like for the movie, uh, the, the movie with like James Marston playing corny Collins, you know, I was always just obsessed with his, his just demeanor, his swagger, and he just made it look so freaking easy. And then you do it on stage and oh my God, it is, you know, I think in the theater world, we call the, I call my track a princess track. It's, it's a track that isn't in a predominant amount of the show, but my moments really matter a lot to the show. And when I'm on, it is just, I have so much to say in so little time, so many words, nicest kids in town is an absolute blast of a number. So many words, so many lyrics, and I am just piping it out there. And these kids are absolutely dancing their butts off around me. There is literally nothing better in the world than hearing Good Morning Baltimore backstage, you know, hyping myself up, getting ready to go, you know, putting myself in character, standing on the corny podium that says the Corny Collins show behind it, which, you know, I've always wanted to stand on. And then it rolls out with all the boys pushing me out and you just hear the drum hit and no better way to start a show than saying, hey there, Teenage Baltimore, don't change that channel. And it is just, it's unlike anything. It's also, it's so weird because, you know, the, the show, it's a sh- the show within a show trope, but I'm also on TV in a show, not like a play within a show. So it's kind of different where a lot of my focus is to cameras. A lot of my focus is very specific. It's very time to music. So there is such a formula to the way that this show has worked over the past 20 years. And I'm just like, it is, it brings me so much joy every day to step into that formula. It really is an incredible show. Andrew, in the beginning, did you measure your performance comparing and contrasting between other cornies? No. So <laughs> I think it's sometimes I call it bad actor, but I think it's good actor sometimes because I'm a big, I like to come in absolutely blank, like absolutely blank. I have my research that I do, like I did research into Johnny Carson. I did research into Dick Clark. I did research into Dean Martin. I, I did research in, I did Vince Fontaine on the cruise ship on Royal Caribbean recently. And that was another show where just, I just put so much into the research of actual real life hosts, not just the show and watching the movie. Cause I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, fall into the hole of wanting to see, you know, the exact source material, which is like, it's so important to the research, but something about it if I see the actual character in work, 
I'm going to think about that performance going into it. And I just, I have such a hard time wanting to do that because I want to bring in so many other realistic aspects of the world at the time in 1962, so many hosts of the time and bring that into my performance rather than having like James Marsden or, you know, influence my performance. So it's bad because I sometimes I don't watch a lot of source material going into shows, but I do do an, an immense amount of research on real life character life people to pull from. And that's really what influences my show as queen. You sang choir in high school. What's your vocal type and how much range do you have? So I get asked this question a lot and still to this day as a professional, I still don't like I don't know, like I can go I'm like A to C sharp or something like that. But I, when I started in high school, I started as in a junior year of high school. So I had li- quite literally never sang. That's most I've ever sang before that was making little music videos when I was like a kid in my, like just with my camera webcam. Uh, but I have some pretty infamous videos of me singing that I hope never make it to the surface of day. Um, but since then, I had never done any sort of choir. I'd done band, so I had a music knowledge in me, but never singing. I played trumpet. So that kind of fueled a lot of uh, vocal technique for me. But I started as a bass because I, I had a deep voice at the time compared to a lot of the boys. And it actually somehow progressed going from bass all the way to singing tenor one. So I can at point attainably say that I can sing pretty much like bass baritone all the way into tenor one range. So it's, it's kind of, I can pretty much do whatever. I just put in front of me. And that's like, that's the challenge I like to set to myself is that since I don't really have a specific like tenor or baritone or bass vocal type, I like to try to challenge myself with so many kinds of music. Andrew Scoggin from the national tour of hairspray joins us beyond the mic. And eh, you might have had some of those questions in previous interviews, but I probably guarantee you don't have the next eight. Okay. It's eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to mind. There is no pressure. Oh gosh. Okay. What's the one piece of wardrobe from each show you want to keep? Oh, uh, the suit jackets. Well, for corny, the suit jackets, those things are so cool. The material is so it's just great. Love the suit jackets. Best place to vacation. Uh, I would be in like, on on a mountain in uh, like a chalet in this in like the swiss alps or like the italian like mountains and just kind of sipping red wine and eating good food that i cooked with my girlfriend how much money did you win or lose when you played the ponies last okay okay i didn't lose that much i think i only spent i think i maybe did we did maybe 35 to 50 bucks i think throughout that day I got a little, I got a little, when I, we were at, we were there, I went a little bit too heavy. I've never gone to horse races before, but I, I like gambling. It's one of my, I try to keep it away, but I love horse races. That was really, really a fun experience. Not too much. Not too much. One thing you have to have when you go on the road, is it a picture of your girlfriend, a favorite pillow? I do. I do have a picture of my girlfriend that I've had ever since we, we've been together for four years now, over four years now. And I've had a picture of a Polaroid that we took with like on our first contract that we did professionally together that I take with me and I put it at my station every day. But my thing from home that I need on tour in my room, I'm like, I cannot survive. I'm a big gamer. I cannot survive without my video games. It's just, I have like, I've, I was PlayStation for a long time and I've recently upgraded to having a Steam Deck, which is like a portable, like Nintendo Switch kind of thing. It has changed the touring life and I have been such a happy little boy. When you found out the sword you used in Three Musketeers was used by legendary Placido Domingo, what emotions went through you? You really, this isn't like any other interview. You are, you're good. Dang. Oh, he was so Placido Domingo. Like I, I wanted to, my voice teacher in college really had 
a want for me to go to uh, Curtis uh, Institute of Music to study voice because she kind of found a world of opera within me and I had, which I had no idea. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do a full switch. She was so, she was an incredible voice teacher and she really wanted me to push me in that direction. But I just loved musical theater too much. But so I really loved Placido Domingo's voice. I really studied his, you know, I think our voices, you know, when I was trying to emphasize the opera life was, he was kind of like my, my, my opera idol, I guess you could say. So as soon as I found that out, Woo! Also working with like Rick Sordolay, who is an absolutely unbelievable stage combat uh, expert, guru, fantastic person to work with. Yeah, it was a really, that was a really cool show. Really, really cool show. What's the first place you have to find in a new city when you're on the road? Before the diet, I am a breakfast holic. I love breakfast sandwiches are like my big thing. And all my interviews, I always ask whenever we're going to go to some place, I always try to ask uh like what's the breakfast spot so breakfast sandwiches are like my thing it's really breakfast i could i could survive a whole day off of breakfast so i try to find like a really good breakfast spot and that sort of makes me survive what was the last alabama football game you've ever attended i've never attended an alabama football game and it upsets me to the day till the day that i finally get to walk into brian denny and finally see a football game i've always wanted to and it has only gotten crazier since I became an Alabama fan when I was a kid. I still have my Nick Saban signed football. I was I wanted to go to Alabama. I was obsessed. I don't know why. I still am to this day, despite all the struggles that the program has been going through. It's actually funny because a lot of some of the people on the tour are from Alabama and went to the University of Alabama. So we've really bonded over watching the season, which was Tough one. Tough one this year. Tough one. I really want to go. I want to know what grade you got on your senior presentation on Nike's impact on society. Crap. I passed. That's all. I don't, I don't actually know, to be honest with you. I put a lot of work into that. I loved Nike. I was obsessed with Nike. I thought it was one of the most like Phil Knight and you know, the whole entire team in Nike was just, I don't know. I was obsessed with it. And I also couldn't think of anything for my senior project because everybody had to do one and had to be a 45 minute presentation. It was the bane of my existence. And I had, I always would wear Nikes and I was a Nike holic. I wore Nike basketball shoes to prom when I absolutely shouldn't have, but I was obsessed with it. And I thought I was going to be a shoe head, even though I had no money for it. Thank you to my, thankful to my parents that funded my absolute minor addiction. And I think I, I'm going to say that I aced it. I feel like I aced it. I don't know if I did, but I passed. I graduated. So here we are. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another beyond the mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. Andrew Scoggin from the National Tour of Hairspray joins us beyond the mic. Andrew, the North American Tour of Annie was your last Broadway tour. Yes. How did that 44 venue tour prepare you for Hairspray? So, yeah, that was that I got into Annie right off of a cruise ship. I have I've had a really I've been blessed with a really incredible career post graduation and it, I've it's I, I have surmounted challenges and, uh, you know, that I've overcome uh, throughout this throughout this career. I've made it work and I, I didn't know how to make it work. I really went in blind and I've you know found myself at some really incredible places and Annie being one of them. I had to this day, I think one of the most poignant and incredible auditions I've ever had for a show was for Annie. Annie, I was in the room for what felt like for my audition, like 45 minutes. We were in there, just me and Jen Thompson. We were just working on Rooster. I was, I came in on audition for Rooster and we just, we were working and workshopping the scenes and I had never 
just the way that I we worked, the way that she was talking to me, the way that we, you know, made choices and made and found new depths to the scenes and in my songs as well. I must have done the scene. Uh, what, I had two scenes and a song to do. I sang All I Care About Is Love. And I sang All I Care About Is Love like seven times because they just wanted to see how much I could change the song on the spot and the scenes. She just wanted to push me and push me. And I took all the direction. And it was one of the most gratifying auditions I've ever had in my life. And I walked out of that calling my agent like, if I don't get this, I don't I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what I did wrong. And I was blessed to... I. Didn't get Rooster, but I was the understudy and I did get the blessing of being able to go on for Rooster for about almost almost a month in performances. A, a lot of performances I got to go on, which was an absolute blast. And playing Rooster was so incredible. It really was a beautiful show. It was a beautiful team. And that just propelled me. It had a lot of there was a lot of challenges on Annie, a lot of challenges. But those I feel like all all the contracts have all built me up to understand what I want and what I don't want in a contract. And Annie was one of those, one of those things. But I learned so much about myself on the road that I've really applied for this tour. I always ask Broadway stars where they were when they got the call for their job. And who did they tell first? So where and who? So I, it's kind of, I had a, like, I had a minute epiphany of a moment. So I, I, when I graduated college, I had took a year off. I worked at TGI Fridays. I worked at a bunch of random, I just needed to make some money. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how to submit. I really honestly didn't even know how, I, even though that I graduated from an incredible school, I like, because I'm a, sometimes a little bit of a dummy. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. I just had no, I had no direction kind of after college. I didn't know where I was going to go. I had one agent meeting after my showcase. Uh, it didn't go so hot. So I just was like, I don't really know what to do with my life. So I worked and I've always wanted to hustle. So I just worked and worked and worked uh, to try to save up and start paying off my loans. And I found a job on backstage for a summer camp counselor at Stage Door Manor, um, which is a performing arts camp in uh, the Catskills of New York. Very famous. A lot of very, very famous people have gone there over the years. Robert Downey Jr., Natalie Portman, many, many Broadway people and film and television. It's really an incredible place. And I had no I'd never been to camp before, but they were looking for someone to over uh, like oversee their uh, boys dorm, which is 100 male campers and 10 uh, counselors that I would be in charge of and thus in charge of basically the whole building and which I'd never done anything like that before. It's basically like a resident director of a college. And I just wanted, it was as close as I could get to theater. And I was like, let me, I'll just go, let me do it. It was good money. It was, it seemed like a good time. And I got there and it was one of the most difficult jobs I've ever worked, but one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever worked. I've met some of the most incredible kids working that job and incredible uh, other, you know, counselors and performers and directors. And one of the people that I met there uh, was a gentleman named Chris Armbruster, who went to the University of Alabama. We bonded over that. And he was the uh, director of programming at the at the camp. So he would be in charge of all to deciding shows and whatnot. And this guy, Chris, he came up to me. I was the, it was one of the last days of camp. I was on the edge. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. I, I have no idea with my life. And he said, Hey, how tall are you? I was like, I'm six two. And he's like, Have you ever um do you dance? And I was like, I I can. He's like, Do you tap? I dabble. I dabble, I dabble and tap. Yeah. He's like, Do you sing? I was like, Yeah, absolutely. He was like, Do you uh do you want to play the monster in Young Frankenstein? And I it like that I that day I had just talked to my mom saying, like, I don't know where I'm going. And the monster, when I was in college, was one of my like coup de gras 
roles. I have, there, there's some people like parents of uh, faculty that work there still, every time I, when I go back and see the faculty, they say that their parents still talk about it. And it's still, it's just such, it was such a part that held near and dear to me. Cause it really, I think pre, like really formed me as an actor because I really did a lot of research for that role. I went really deep for it and I had an incredible time. And I was like, that was my role. I've done it before. I've done the platform boots. I've done it all. I, I, I would absolutely give anything to do that for you. And he's like, yeah, it's hap- It's starting right after this, you know, right after this, like maybe like two weeks, you know, back at home. And then we start in Plymouth uh, beach, Massachusetts. And I was like, he's like, can you just send me a video? I sent him a video of me uh, singing. She loves me. And he saw the video and was like, great. Awesome. You got it. I'll see you in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts. And that was my first contract. And I had direction and I have not stopped working since it has just worked. And the, the person who recorded that video with me for, she loves me was a music director for a job down in Florida, who I went to right after that. I'd met uh, my girlfriend, Elizabeth on that contract. She played ironically Elizabeth. So she played my love interest. We had a little bit of a showmance that has turned into a romance of four years now. And a career that we've, we have, we have shared on stage together and off and across the world, you know, it has been an incredible ride, but that was like the true epiphany. Where am I going to go? Here's a job. So who did you tell first? Oh, my mom, she was right back on the phone. Absolutely. We were, I called my parents right there and then, yeah, I, I was beside myself because I had just talked to her earlier, like hours before that, not knowing what I was going to do. So I called them right there and then I called my mom, my dad and told them and they were beside themselves said, we're going to make this work. And my parents have always supported me throughout this career. And they just wanted to make it work for me. So that, you know, we made it work. I got to the Plymouth Beach, Massachusetts, and my career has been there. Andrew, how has Elizabeth been your rock when you're both on the road, Broadway stars, she's in China, in the sound of music? Yeah, she is. She's incredible. She really is everything to me. She, um, We've, we've done this, we've been together for four years, ever since we started our first, con- my first, our first contracts together. She went to Boston Conservatory and that was her first contract out of school. So we just met each other and we've been, we forged a career and a relationship together that has, I've really never met anyone who has gone through the struggles and challenges, but have created the most incredible, you know, strongest relationship over all these different contracts together. She's, she's always been there for me when we've been together. And when we've been apart, we've been pretty much over the past, uh, about like almost year and a half of our life. Uh, we've been kind of living on FaceTime because she's been on, she's been in China for several months now. Uh, we have about three months left. I'm going to go see her on my two week layoff in May from the tour. I'm going straight from LA, right to China, right to Hong Kong to go see her. Well, I'm over the moon. I can't every day. We were just talking about it today. Cause we're opposite ends of the earth. So she's, she's, she's 13, no, 14 hours ahead of me, 14 hours ahead of me. Yeah. There's no one else that I could ever imagine of doing this journey with than her. She's really been my, she really has been my rock. You've got range playing in Mamma Mia, a Bronx tale, King Richard, the second ragtime Shakespeare in love and Alice in Wonderland. How did each of these roles challenge you? It's I, it has been, I, I never could have imagined that I would would have the flight path, the trajectory of a, this career in the roles that I played. Um, I was I was unbelievably prepared for this career uh, going to DeSales University. Uh, I, it was just by happenstance that my best friend at the time, Jillian, from high school, was like 
she's like, you should come to to sales university because I was struggling my first year at a different school and I didn't know where I wanted to go and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And she's like, come here. If you want to really just do this life, come here. And I went there and I got to work at the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival, which is housed at the sales university. And I got to work for two years, two summers there. I got to work with some of the most unbelievable performers I've ever, I have ever worked with. I mean, Avita, I got to do with Paulo Jacques and Di Rossioli and Dan Dominic. And, and, and that's just, just Avita. And that was, that's a junior in, in college. I'm just standing there, standing next to Paulo Jacques as a general. And I'm like, how in God's name did I get here? I really like, it, it doesn't, there's nothing that could have prepared me for it, but through the fire and the flames of, of all of that, I, I just, I've learned, I've learned how to work. I've learned how to adapt and to overcome and to just be present and listen and learn from the people that have been around me. That's really how I've prepared myself for these different characters is because I've been, I've been met with unbelievable people that I've worked with and that have challenged me and pushed me to go farther and faster than anybody else around me. Which role is your dream role? And you can't say hairspray you can't say Courtney Collins. Uh, my dream role, it, it kind of changes uh, a lot because, you know, dream roles are tough because they don't, we, it, I can want something as much as in the world, but it doesn't guarantee that I'll ever get to do it. But something I have had the dream of playing for all my life, I've really wanted to play Burrs in the Wild Party, the Lippa version specifically. Where do you like hiking and how does the outdoors soothe you when we all know that all you know is theaters, buses, and airplanes? <laughs> I, try, I try so much to get out when we can. We're, I'm so excited for Denver, Colorado. We're going there next week. I'm excited to get into the mountains and go hike. Uh, I love when we, I was in Vegas, I got to the Valley of Fire. I really, I love to get out and really enjoy nature as much as I can because being in a bus, it kind of gets a little bit cooped up in there as you could only imagine. Well, time is running out, so it's time for one big question with Andrew Scoggin from Hairspray, the national tour out on tour right now. Andrew, what does the theater mean to you and how has it changed your life? I only got three minutes for this. Gosh, you are good. First of all, I have to say before I answer this question, you're fantastic. I like I don't do a whole lot of interviews, but you are fantastic, John. You're awesome. I have to say that this is your this is a great interview. Great questions. Fantastic. What does theater mean to me? Theater theater is everything. I want to work in a theater till the day that I die. I want I want to act. I want to direct. I want to produce. I want to operate. I want to manage. I want to do everything. I this I never found anything throughout my life that like there's been some things that have stuck in terms of hobby. I moved around all my life and uh, hobbies and friends and, and, and have never been something that I've been able to hold down until I found theater. A theater is something that has given me everything. It's given me purpose. It's given me drive. It's given me work ethic. It's given me everything to live for. It's given me an incredible relationship it's me, the world, it, it's, it's everything to me. I, re, I, don't, I really honestly don't know where I would be without theater. It's, it's almost inexplicable. I just, every, every, my life is theater. My, I, I'm like the most non-theater theater person. I love sports. I love video games. I love everything else but theater sometimes. But man, musical theater, acting, straight plays, cruise ships, touring, everything. It, I, I have experienced the world and I know I'm only at like the absolute tip of the sword. There's so much more to left to experience. And I am just, it, the, the mystery of knowing where my life will be in this industry is truly the reason why I do it because 
I have no idea what the next day will bring. And that excitement truly makes me get to the next day. It really, this is everything to me. He researched real life TV hosts preparing for the role of Corny Collins, worked at a TGI Fridays and loves those breakfast sandwiches. Andrew Scoggin wants you to see him in the national tour of Hairspray. Andrew, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much, Sean. This really, this made my day, made my week, made my tour. You're awesome. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.